Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Amen. I'm glad you're here this morning. If you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the teaching team. Grab your Bible. We are in Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat back under you, in front of you. It's kind of wordy, but that's where it's at. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Um, <clears throat> just a few things before we get going. Um, as I was just preparing and thinking, um, I just want to let you know I, I love you, and the elders love you, and we're so grateful um, to, to be a church family. And we don't take that for granted, um, that, that this is a privilege to belong to Christ if your faith is in Christ, and two, to have a place to gather and to just um, to, to be a church. And so I just wanted to look at you and tell you that. I often think of it, um, and so very grateful to, to serve here. And um, yes, and uh, since this light is bright, supposedly you can't see it. Uh, I have a stain right here, and that's not, what's not on there this morning, I spilt coffee, and if you can't, I just want to let you know, if you're judging me, he's like, he can't even pick out shirts, I can, to a certain extent, that's, that's coffee, so Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, it says this, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants, uh, covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God uh, in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to one spirit, to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone." in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple uh, in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God uh, by the Spirit. So that's the Word of God, and that's what we'll be looking at this morning. So uh, the sermon title this morning is a God's Purpose is a New Community. God's Purpose, a New Community. And it says that in verse 15. It says, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the words that he might create in himself a new man. So the idea is that uh, God had this idea in his son Jesus Christ to create a new man. And you're like, what is that? That's, that's the church. So in Jesus, it wasn't just you and Jesus type thing, although you need, you need Jesus. It's you and Jesus and a community, this new, new man. And uh, in context, Paul's talking about this great power of God at work in us. And it, what is he talking about? The church. And he's like, this new man is going to display this great power of God uh, to becoming one, which is 
frankly, it says in NIV, the purpose uh, of Christ is to create this, this church. So it's, it's a beautiful thing, and we have some room to grow in here. Um, you know, I'm about to say some hard things. And, and what I mean by that, you're going to be offended at some level this sermon. And uh, th- that's just the word of God, Lord willing, that's offending you. And it's meant to offend you, to encourage you in Christ. So what I want to offend is you, um, where you may be off, and, and everyone's going to be offended. So just wait your turn. It's coming. Um, and Lord willing, you'll be encouraged in Christ. And so um, we're going to break this, this text down in really three sections. One is humility. And that's where there's a lot, that's that, that's that offense. And we want you to see yourself rightly by the word of God. And everyone has room to grow here. There's a humility of seeing yourself rightly. Um, another way you can say that is there's two types of people right now in here that need Jesus. And so that's why you'll be uh, offended on, on either side. Secondly is our identity. If we're going to be this new person, this two become one, we have to have humility of seeing ourselves rightly. We're going to have to have our identity in Jesus Christ and by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit become this new community, the purpose of God. So humility, identity, God's new purpose is this, this new community called, called the church. So I'm going to pick up in verse 13, actually verse 11. It says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision. So he's writing to the Gentiles and just Gentiles, if you don't know what that is, that's non-Jewish people. So this is the people not, it talks about the covenants, uh, the promise of the covenants and the commonwealth. And we'll get into all kind of what that means. But the Gentiles simply non, non-Jewish people. He says, I want you to remember where you came from. So that's important. So I'm about to, again, press on you, your past or even your current stance, like before Christ or even where you're at right now. And the reason is we, we have a proclivity to go back to our old ways. So he says, remember where I brought you from. This is your old identity. This is how you used to operate. Now I want you to remember who you are in Jesus Christ. So it is helpful to recount your past, to confess it, and then walk in this new identity. So he's actually wanting these Gentiles to do that. Verse 13, it, it talks about the state of the Gentiles. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off, so the idea is these Gentiles were far from God. They were not near God. They didn't belong to God. It says uh, uh, elsewhere in Scripture, um, in verse 12, they had no hope. Why? Because they were without God. That's the words. These Gentiles had no hope, hopeless. So you could, could you, can you imagine what this looks like? And some of you maybe feel this way. No hope, no purpose, no, no idea where you're going. Why? Because they were without God. They were far off, uh, and this is who he's talking to. In verse uh, 11, there is a mark for the Gentiles, namely uncircumcision. This is, this is the idea that they were unclean. They were, they were separate from God. They were secular. They, this is a symbol of not belonging. This is what it means to have... Um, to be known as the uncircumcision people. They, they were, there's a public difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, also, not only were they far off, they didn't belong to God. Number two, they had the symbol that they didn't belong to God. It says that they were separated from Christ, the commonwealth of Israel, strangers, listen, strangers to the covenants of promise. They didn't have the promises of God. They didn't have the law of God, and they had... They didn't have God. They didn't have any revelation of God. 
that Israel had, so they had no hope. So the commonwealth of Israel is God revealed himself to Israel through the Old Testament, namely the law of God, which is this commonwealth. There, there is so much beauty in the word of God um, and, and, and in the Ten Commandments. And they had no revelation. They were without God, had no hope. And so they were just kind of groping around in this world without any revelation for God. Now the law of God, uh, the Ten Commandments in, in the Old Testament is beautiful. It shows the glory of God. Like, so we are a people that don't know God. We see creation. You may think there may be a God, but we know we have a revelation of God by the word of God, the Ten Commandments, and it shows God's character. It shows his design, and it shows his glory. There's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. It's actually a gift, and Israel walked and had that gift, and a lot of us take it for granted if you grew up in the church. What, here's what I mean by that. It is... It's so, it, it is so beautiful one because it tells us that we should have no other God before God because God's everything. God gives us identity. It gives us purpose. It gives us joy. He's the object of our worship. And the word of God tells us this is true. Number two, it tells us how we should interact in marriage. It says what? Don't commit adultery. You know why? Because if you commit adultery, I was actually talking to Drayton this week. I actually think that should be part of the law of the land. I'm not like going to advocate that legislation. That's not the point of the sermon. But the reason why when you commit adultery, it, it, it hurts your family. It hurts yourself. It's a big deal. Why? Because that's how God designed marriage, uh, marriage work, uh, fidelity and faithfulness. Furthermore, it talks about not coveting and uh, not to steal. <laughs> Think about a society that steals all the time. Just takes what they want. Is that going to go well? No. This is a common grace of God to let us know this is how the world works. It says, don't bear false witness. Why? Because when you lie, relationships erode. Integrity is lost. Trust is broken. All what through lies. So the fact that he tells us don't bear false witness is a grace of God and helps you flourish under how he designed things to work. Another one, it says to keep the Sabbath. It's not like God has a checklist and he's like, you know, this is for you, it even says in scripture. Your body breaks down if you don't rest. You need sleep, you need rest, your mind needs rest, your, your, your work needs rest, like you need to stop. And God in his grace says, you need to Sabbath. This is a grace of God, the Ten Commandments, to show his people what he's like and how things should should function, and I think we take it for granted. And the Gentiles didn't have it. They were not parts. They were far off, and if you don't know this, man, I have compassion towards you because this is such a common grace, and I have several illustrations, and I'm about to make a lot of people feel uncomfortable. Um, one of the things I ask my kids all the time, literally all the time, throughout the years of their, their life, I ask them a, a few questions over and over again, and they forget all the time. I'll say, you know your daddy loves you? I got three of them. And, and I, only one of them got it right this time. It's not the first time I've done this. It's probably not the first time I've shared this illustration. I say, your daddy loves you. And then I'll ask them the next question, why? Only Joshua got is like, because I'm your son, right? The other two I've told millions of times before. Deacon looked at me, he's like, is it because I'm good at football? I'm like, no. <laughs> and buddy, that's questionable, right? You're, you're progressing, right? 
he, he, you know, he didn't understand who he belonged to, so he, he actually said, football, is because I'm doing these things. He's looking to his performance to form his identity, and this is why I'm talking about it. Kate said the same things, and this is why I said, I want you to remember who you belong to, and he gives us uh, our identity, and I'll get to that here in a second. There's a breakdown in our world the people in, 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 the, in, the, in, our, in our value system, and, and it's, just, it's a secular, secularism. And, and what I mean by that is the world doesn't know what it doesn't know. And maybe they do know and they're completely abandoning God. But I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna press on some of these issues. In scripture, God is pro-life from womb to tomb. He's against abortion. Like that's a crazy idea today. Like God is for life. I know I just offended people in here. Right, but that's simply the word of God. God creates gender. Again, I know I'm pressing on a lot of toes right now because God is God and he determines man and female. It's not something that we decide ourselves. God decides. This is in scripture. Sex and orientation is between a man and a woman. We know that racism is wrong. Why? Because all people are made in the image and likeness of God, therefore have worth. All that comes from the word of God, and it is a gift from God. Now, some people are operating in a secularism that don't know God. There's, there should be compassion, but we should also be willing to speak truth on behalf of God. Now, I'll give you two examples. See, you know, all the things I just said are sins, and it is offense to God and his design, um, but there's an achieved value. They don't, people don't know who they are, so they're searching. They're, they're wanting to matter. They want value. Uh, and so right now in Louisiana, uh, there is an abortion law that may be going into place, and there's like 500 women that are protesting, women athletes, um, to, to not get this law passed. And their reasoning is, is, is really they don't know who they are. They're trying to achieve their value. And so... One argument, this one uh, basketball player said, I, I wouldn't have become a national champion if I didn't have my abortion. I wouldn't have had two gold medals if I didn't have this abortion. And, and the idea is it was a sacrifice that was worth it because now she's achieved this value. And so, you know, it's just not just abortion, but there's a, a deception of why people matter. They're trying to achieve their per, uh, position in their performance, and I, like I said, I know I'm, I'm, I'm offending many people in here. You know, people don't grow into wisdom, it's a gift from God. From, one, from the word of God and the spirit of God. I, I watched Deacon play football, he was practicing a couple weeks ago, and I saw an older man that reminded me of my papa bear, just old, and he looked sweet. It looked like, man, I was like, I'd like to talk to that guy, and he kind of came over, and he's watching first graders play football. And the things that came out of his mouth of uh, <laughs> the, the cuss words and the, the vulgarity, I was shocked. I'm like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. And, and, here, and here's why. He really values first grade football, in which I have a lot of questions why. Like no one's writing about in the papers, not going to be on ESPN, but he's looking for uh, his, his value in these little kids and he's just spewing. And now I look at him and yes, I can judge him like, what is he doing? But also, he doesn't know who he is. Like, legitimately, this old, older man is saying crazy things at this field. Why? Because this is his worth. First grade football. Now, it sounds crazy, but that's just where, that's where he's at. 
Now, when we don't know, when we have no hope without God, we're searching for things to bring value. And what happens is this, these, you know, a lot of people can't stand religious people. And so, you know, they can be harsh, critical spirit, complaining, they shame, we're better than them. And these are people far off. So if you didn't grow up in church, you don't have the word of God, you know, the, the, the scripture's clear. This comes from a debased mind and complete rebellion to God, and it's not part of his ways. Now, there's another people he's talking to in verse 17 that's really interesting. It says this, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off, that's the secular, the people didn't have the law of God, and peace to those who were near. These are the Jewish people that thought they were good apart from Christ. This is this is religious people that, that, that think they're good because they go to church or they've done good things. And this is self-righteous. So you can be near, near, near God, but not in Christ and totally far from God is what it's saying. It's saying that the irreligious, the secular, what do they need? They need Jesus. And it's saying the religious people, what do they need? They need Jesus. See, there's many people sitting in this room right now that need to hear this, and you're just, you're just missing it. I'm telling you. You need to open your ears. God's not okay with you because you came to church today. He's not okay with you because you've been good. He's not, you can't achieve you know, your righteousness through, through your obedience. Um, another, another people in here that have confused, and I, I know I'm just going to make everyone mad. Um, Jesus... It is, is everything. So Jesus, faith in Jesus and nothing else. So there's so many people right now that have been confused by their conservatism or their Republican. They think Jesus plus voting Republican makes you a Christian. You're wrong. There's Democrats that are Christians and there's Republicans who are Christian. I had this conversation this week. What makes you a Christian? Faith in Jesus. All right, that's it. Just stop, right? That's it. And there's a nationalism that this saying the same as Christianity, it's false. It is not true. And there's many people thinking that I'm a Christian, I'm an American, and that's the same thing. No, it's not. And before you send an email that I'm not a, a love America, I would willingly die for America, and I love America. I think it's the greatest country, but it's not Christianity. We do not worship America. There's a difference. And we're being fooled. And there's people that are betraying the gospel, saying these things. Now, again, there's a self-righteousness in this that we think being good by giving enough, reading your Bible, going to church, and you're doing this all out of fear, saying, if I'm good enough, God will love me. This is not the Bible. See, Christianity is not just doing, trying to do good things and not committing the big sins. No. See, the reason why you can be near Christ, but apart from Christ, and why it's so wicked, your self-righteous so wicked, is you're exalting yourself. That's why it's wicked. You're saying to a righteous soul of God that I'm good enough. And the answer is no, you're not. This is a stiff-necked people, and it's whitewashed tombs. You may look pretty on the inside, but you're dead on the inside. This is not uh, spirit rot. This is not Christianity. And... You know that you're operating this if you're in this, if you're harsh, critical, and shaming the other side. Both sides need Jesus, just so you know. Both of them need Jesus. And you know you're not walking in Jesus if what? 
there's hostility in your heart because that's not from the Spirit of God. That, that's, that's clinging to something besides God and hating someone that champions something different. Verse 14 says this, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. This world needs to be humbled. The, the church needs to be humbled. We, we, are, we hate each other. The church should be not known for this. There's a hostility growing between black and white people. There's a hostility growing between Democrats and Republicans. There's a hostility between people that will wear a mask and not wear a mask or get a shot or not get a, not get a shot. That is not from God. I'm not saying you don't have your opinions, but that's not what Christians, Christianity is about. There's a Christian humility that sees yourself as needy, that puts your faith in Christ and Christ alone. Until you get there, you're not walking in Christianity. You're walking in something contrary to Christianity that, breathe, that builds hostility and dividing walls. James 1, 9 and 10 says it this way. Leave that first one up. It says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. I, so I just said abortion is sin. And it, it's, it's killing, it's murder. And adultery is sin and unravels relationships. I talked to two people this week that had abortion and it's crushing him because it's what he plays back in his mind over and over and over and over. And that guilt and shame is, is, is shackling from walking right now. And that's not my point here. See, the lowly brother, we boast in the exaltation of Christ. That Jesus paid in full, that you are forgiven. There's no more condemnation for, in Jesus Christ. We're not going to say his abortion is okay, but we're going to say it's paid in full. Walk in the freedom of Christ. There's forgiveness for adultery. It was paid with the high cost of Christ's blood, and there's no more shame. You should not walk in that. Look at Christ. Quit looking at your sin. That's, that's what a lowly brother, let's look to Jesus don't look at where you've come from. So we take a glance at where God's brought us from, but look who I am in Christ. Then it goes on to 10 to say this, and the rich in his humiliation, the people who think they're self-righteous and they're good, it's saying, you need to say, see yourself rightly. Look at the cross. You are so wicked that Christ had to die for you. You don't have it together. So the people that think they're good, they say, look at the cross. There is no one that's good. Only Jesus. Why? And I like this last part that James throws in there. Because like a flower of grass, he will pass away. It's telling the rich, it's like, what you're living for is so temporary. I mean, I was reminded of this. Like, just the temp, and I don't mean meaningless, because everything in Christ matters. But I, I was watching two football games yesterday, and you know, you always talk about football. It's what I'm doing right now. I got two kids, as we're doing and I was looking at all these dads and moms getting so excited about little kid football. It's little kid football, acting like it's the biggest deal, chewing out refs, throwing tantrums on the sideline. And I'm like, why does this matter? Why does this matter at all? Like no one will remember. And frankly, I just want to look at them like, you're all dying. This is not going to help out with your sins. It's not going to help out with your resurrection. It's not going to help out at all. Man, we're like, we're like grass just fading away. And it's saying, look at Christ, be humbled in Christ. We're all needy, just different. Far from God and near God, but we all need Jesus. So what's our identity? Listen, we're Jesus people. If you call yourself a Christian, you're a Jesus person. 
We're a Jesus person. Verse 13, it says it this way. We are brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. What's everything else? The blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 15, it talks about he has abolished the law. So this idea is like there is no one righteous, not one. Only through the blood of Christ can we be made righteous. We talked about in our Colossians Bible study, men's Bible study, that we take off our old garments, our sin, whether it's our religion or our irreligion or our secularism or our self-right, we take that off and we put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're a, we're, we have this alien righteousness that is what? Given to us by what? The blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus said himself, I didn't come to abolish law, I came to fulfill it. So where we fall short, he was perfect. And he says, I'm going to give you my perfection. He brings that to us by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're Jesus people. Verse 16, it says that we're reconciled to God. He's, Jesus has killed the hostility by the cross. See, we deserve death, but Jesus willingly died our death, paid the, the full wrath of God. Why? So we could have the peace of God, so we can, have the, we can be reconciled to God. Do you, do you know that's everything, that God looks at you and knows you, and you belong to him in Jesus Christ by the cross of Christ. Verse 17, it says that, that there's peace that will reign in your heart. How's that come? By the blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to sing a song, and we're going to say these words, and we're going to have a, a time to proclaim these promises in response. But I need you to hear, what can wash away my sin? You're a sinner. One way or the other, super self-righteous and you think you're awesome or you've done some really bad things and you're frankly both. What can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. If your answer is anything else, you don't understand Christianity. What can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. What is my righteousness? What is your righteousness? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. What can make you whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus of Jesus Christ, not of good that I have done. What is it? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. We are what? We're Jesus people. See, there's two people, two people groups that need Jesus, and they both need Jesus just as much. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ, and these two men become one, one person, forgiven people, beloved people, righteous people in Jesus Christ, the peace of God over their lives, born of the Spirit of God with a new power, a new power to live differently, to live under the love of God, to love others how God has loved us, born of the Spirit of God, a new community is formed. Two people groups, now one in Jesus Christ. See, this is this new community. Jesus died for this community. This is his purpose. It wasn't, it wasn't whatever your ideology is. It's his bride. A new man comes by the Spirit of God to fill us with the character of Christ. Do you know this is what you're caught up in? It says in verse 19, this idea here. It says, so then you no longer are stranger and enemies, but you are fellow citizens. Fellow. That means there's more than you. Like, we're not the church. The door church is not the church. Like, there are many good churches that preach Jesus. Right? We are one church to preach Jesus, and we, be- we all belong to Christ. Uh, furthermore, fellow citizens, this idea of we are just one church throughout history. There is brothers and sisters throughout generations that belong to Christ. And so why does this matter? We are caught up in something bigger than you, in this. 
namely the redemption of mankind in Jesus Christ. So much, so many of us are fighting for temporal things and miss what God's calling you to in the eternal things. You know, America eventually is going to go away, and that's okay. Why? We're aliens to this nation. We belong to Jesus Christ. That's what we long for. It says our citizenship is there. What is the citizenship? Our rights and allegiance is to what? First and foremost, to Christ. So when I say our rights, our rights is that we have, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved by grace. That's a confession of the church. And our rights are you're a child of God. That's, that, that's who you are. You're a child of God by the grace of Jesus Christ. What's our allegiance? Our allegiance is to the, for the glory of Christ. Not the glory of your kingdom. Not to go, the glory of whatever you think matters most. The glories of Christ is everything. Verse 19, uh, it talks about uh, that we are the household of God. Now, Household is interesting language. Now we're a family. So yes, you're personally saved, but you're saved into a local body that we're called the household of God. We are committed to Christ. We, confess, we profess Christ, and then we, we are committed to one another. That's what we say. If you become a member, we're like, do you know Jesus? If you don't, we're saying, this is how you, this is how you can belong to Christ by faith, through grace. This is how you belong to Christ. And now we're committed to Christ, we're committed to one another. That's the household. We're family, brothers, sisters. In Jesus Christ. Now, why does this matter? Well, in my household, I, I always tell my kids, we're Brooks's. And they're like, everyone's like, what does that mean? Well, I tell them what that means all the time in my mind. That means we wake up early, we work hard, and we're disciplined. You're like, what is that? That's who we are. That's what my dad taught me. I tell them, this is who we are. It's our character. We're Brooks's. Now, you're like, we are Christians. God puts a status on us. And we act as Christ acts by the Spirit of God. We need to understand, when we say we're a household, the character of Christ should be exuded through who? This church, and particularly us as individuals. That I wrote down here, the apple doesn't fall too far from the trees. If you say you belong to Jesus, you know what you should act like? Jesus. That's not a crazy statement. The Spirit of God says it will grow love, joy, peace, patience, kindness in you. The Spirit of God has been given to us to grow in the characters of what? Christ, household of God, cornerstone, verse 21. This new community is not only a family, we don't have you know, fellow citizenship, but we're cornerstone. There's a trajectory of being built on Christ. And what's interesting, they have this like family uh, description, then they go into a building description that were built on Christ, there's a proximity of nearness. If you look at any good building, you know what's built on? A good foundation, Jesus. Number two, it's really, it, it, it's, it's built on one another. In scripture, it says we're living stones. There's a proximity of nearness. If you just do you and Jesus type things, I have a lot of questions for you. That's not how the Bible works. We are being built together in our, our professions, our confessions, our transparency, that we should give our lives to build up this local body with our money, our time, our, our talents. Why? Because we're trying to display the glories of Christ. We're being built together. It, there's not a closer proximity of illustration than, than a building with brick and mortar. Then it goes on to verse 22, that we are a dwelling place of God. So God is making a new community. Listen to the privilege for the dwelling place of God. We have the ability to make the audible gospel visible, the character of God on display where through our church, as I mentioned earlier, 
People should look at the church and be like, man, they are generous people. They are kind people. They are compassionate people. They are truthful people. Right? It's not either one. We are truthful and we're going to be loving. We don't, we're not going to let go of one. We're both. We should look different in the world. Now, we get to practice together. And so part of that, being a dwelling place of God, is we belong to God and one another. Is what I'm trying to do right now is God sees you through his son and, and, and through the word of God. And there's a, there's a trajectory of Christ in you that it's so glorious that you really, it's too almost beautiful to look at. And that's where you're headed. And we get to, to, to help one another along in that journey. We, God has a better vision for you than you have of yourself or you could ever have for yourself. And we speak truth to one another and promises of one another. This is who we are in Christ. And this is the best way to grow in Christ. You know why? You know who gets on my nerves the most? And she, my, my, my wife is here earlier, so she heard it. She wouldn't hear, she's not here now, so I'm not talking about on her back. My wife gets on my nerves the most and then my kids. And you're like, well, how can you say that? You know why? We live together. And there's a lot of things that she does that bothers me, and I, it bothers her how I live. And the good news, the good news, we get to practice Christ to one another all the time. I got to ask for forgiveness. I got to grow my patience. I got to grow my kindness. So here's my point. We're a church that gets to practice the kindness and compassion to one another. There are people in here that are sinners that are going to make you mad. You don't run. You, you practice what? <laughs> the grace of God of Jesus Christ to grow the character of Christ in you. That's what we do. It's only, I, we are committed to seeing Christ sharpen uh, us through, 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 through sinning against each other and to practice the spirit of God. So the hope of the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we get to display the hope of Jesus Christ by how we interact with one another in a culture that's just completely hostile. We get to, we get to proclaim the beauty of Christ by getting along Democrats, Republicans can get along and love each other and be kind to one another. Where? In here. Why? What's our identity? Christ. The world has no other way to see this. We get to practice this. This is what God calls us into being the church. The, the world needs to see the alternative vision that God has for humanity in Christ. He calls us to be a city on a hill, the light of the world. This is our calling in Christ. It's not easy but by the Spirit of God man, and the commitment to one another, we can grow in this. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would see the purposes of God in Jesus Christ is a new man. A new man. And you, we get the privilege to walk in that by the Spirit of God. I pray that we would confess our sin proclivities, our self-righteousness, our sins, and walk in, in, as a new man, as a new person, new creation by the Spirit of God and the promises that Jesus Christ brings us, that we are forgiven, that we're beloved, that we're sons and daughters, that we have a future, that we are righteous, that we would love your word and want that to ooze out of us. God, help us be known for the character of Christ by the Spirit of Christ. God, we, we, we need help. But first of all, we gotta confess we need help. I pray this church and church of the world be known simply for the love of Christ, the truthfulness of Christ. Help us grow up into that. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.